slow down. We don't have to do this. Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I'm shouting with the voice of a trumpet blast. We will not be helpless. We will take action. Barry's here to share his sermon from last weekend. I am here. But before we go through the motions of penance, now that they've bowed their heads like reeds bending in the wind, let's welcome in our favorite well-watered gardens, Meredith Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Hey. How are you, Tyler? I'm good, guys. How are you guys? I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm I yeah, I'm not loving the really cold weather all of a sudden. Oh, that was kind goodness. of a, a yeah. bummer. What are we nowhere. doing? You know, it's one thing to be in a pan- pandemic until May, <laughs> the middle of May. I can't it's wait. It's another to, like, thing <laughs> to be in a pandemic with freezing cold wa- like weather. <laughs> we had to cover our plants this past weekend. What are yeah. we doing? If it's going to be a pandemic, at least let it be warm. Yeah, we covered our plants for the first time ever in our lives because we're yeah. learning that you should cover plants occasionally. Yeah, you got a plant, you're a plant person now, Marin. You need to understand these things. I do not <laughs> feel like a well-watered garden, but yes. <laughs> well, I we're looking at you right now. You've person. got a well-watered garden behind you. you got a I lava do. lamp. It's just like <laughs> you're in your you're in your solarium. Is that yeah. yes? I'm in my my sunroom. Um, yes, I do have a lava lamp behind me, and I'll have you know that that is one of my most prized possessions, as it belonged to my grandparents. And when I would spend wow. the night at their house, I would lay on the couch and just be mesmerized by this lava lamp. Oh, that one That's in cool. particular. This very lava lamp has been around since like the 70s. If you look at like the the cord, it's like super old and there's only two prongs oh, and it yeah. probably is super dangerous, but yeah, I love probably it. Probably a fire Just hazard. The, probably. Does the lava degrade over time? It has it not. Still? Really? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it Seriously. is amazing. You'd think that like somehow the lava particles would... Uh, evaporate or something but no no i don't even know how lava lamps there they work. are oil there it goes <laughs> <laughs> uh what's new guys how uh how was your weekend mother's day how's how's everything going weekend is good i'm realizing how scrawny i am and like just not are you I'm, having trouble what? with the chicken therapy you're having body no, issues doing, no i yeah <laughs> hey i'm not I'm not like getting as much exercise as I should. So I'm noticing Believe like, God. a little more. I'm just noticing a couple, maybe an inch, you know, more around the waist, but I'm also trying to do a bunch of yard work. And I, I don't have a bunch of fancy tools yet, like for the yard, other than my really great mower. So I You're was grown up boy being branches down by hand with a handsaw. Oh, and so, yeah, I've been, I've been sore. I was lugging branches all over the place and it was, uh, why don't you have a chainsaw? Why didn't you call a friend? Yeah, I have a chainsaw. I didn't have two chainsaws. Do you? Well, okay. Jeez, sorry. I didn't. It was more just (laughs) because I was like, I mowed and I kept my, my mower's got like a big bar across the top, like a big roll bar thing. And it gets (laughs) caught on branches and then they like whip me in the head as I go by. So I'm, I was like, there's certain trouble done with this. So I went out there to take care of it. And I just, I suppose I could have called a friend and social distanced our way through some chopping, but I just had to get it done. So I did it all by hand. And then we turned the compost pile again. And so, you know, got some noodle arms by the end of the day. But uh, how's the uh, chicken physical therapy? Are we making progress? We're starting that. We're starting that this like the next day or two. She's been taking her medicine fine. It's it's really funny. Okay, I mean, it's yeah, she's fine. The chickens are having a ball in their yeah, new. Yeah, we saw them rolling in, in the run. dust. Did you so, see them dust bathing? It's so fun to watch. Yeah, it's hilarious. Right. Yeah, I said I this last week. I said this last week, but Jed is at physical therapy right now. So two weeks in a row now, when yeah. you've brought up chicken therapy, Looky there. I'm picturing the chicken doing the things I know that yeah. Jed is currently Resistance doing. Resistance bands, yeah. squats, we're gonna, balls, to get a, we're gonna get a little treadmill, uh, little treadmill <laughs> for the chicken. <laughs> yeah. The new the new thing. Did I talk about this last week? The new thing is that Chester has decided that he is like he doesn't like me or, or live. And so he'll like lunge at us whenever we go out there in the morning to like open up the outside window and stuff. They, they come, he comes running, but he's, he's such a doofus. He's super uncoordinated. And the best that he's able to do is just like tap on my feet with his little feet. And so it's not feeling aggressive there. And he's like, and and, (laughs) no, nothing. Just like like a child, man, just like a child. They they don't know what you did for him when he was a baby. 
He's got one tail feather because of you. You took yeah. care of him. You guarded that tail feather. Otherwise, those chickens would have <laughs> would have been would have been plucked right out. We took care yeah. of the mites that were keeping the other feathers yeah. from growing in. Yeah, is he Come a teen in chicken years? Probably. I I think of him as like a really really like a like a high school kid that just like plowed through puberty and is now really into weightlifting okay. and is like walking around <laughs> just like you know <laughs> that's how I think of him and and he's now all of a sudden he's totally like like bossing around all the girls. And I'm just like, man, Chester, we need to teach you how to, how to treat a lady and how to respect your elders. <laughs> Marin, how anyway, are you? We're, we're fine. <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm kind of struck by, okay. So we, we bought some tools this weekend to do some like construction projects around the house. Namely, I desperately want like a garden bed and, I think for our purposes, the best thing we could do is make like a longish window box, but like it'll sit on the ground. But anyway, we had to go buy a nail gun and we bought a staple gun, which was kind of my Mother's Day gift, I guess. Kind of. Um, But we had thought while we were standing in the store you know, we could just go like borrow one of these from Barry. I'm sure he's got this. Yeah, he's probably us hey, too. We borrowed our nail gun too, but I'm yeah. just saying, you need a chainsaw. We needed a nail gun. We got to come together, community. Um, okay, so is this a is this a desire that has been birthed from coronavirus? Like you're like, man, I got to have a garden. I feel no. like everybody in coronavirus is like, hey, I'm gonna start running. <laughs> or I'm going to make a garden or I'm going to build an addition to my house or something. They're just like doing stuff. Is they this because of this or stuff. have you always wanted a garden? It, yeah, it isn't because of this. I've always attempted some variation of gardening, even when I lived in apartments in Chicago. And again, it was we usually a small window box of like basil and maybe some tomatoes if I was lucky. But this yeah. year, since we since we purchased this house two years ago, it has been my dream to like settle in and put down roots and have a designated gardening area and who has time for that unless it's a worldwide pandemic and everyone has time that's for right that. there you go so yeah i'm learning as i go i i mean yeah we're, we're trying to i think we moved so many times over the last you know six years or so that yeah. we really make sense want this to feel like we're staying we just yeah. want it to feel like the fire we're here pit. The fire pit, the magnolia <laughs> right. tree, that doesn't do All it. You got to have a garden. Right, exactly. <laughs> that would make it feel like it's legit. Yeah. Uh, how you is, gotta, uh, you how is your mother's few, day, uh, Marin, if you really, real quick, if you want to really feel like you're staying put, you got to plant some like fruit trees or something because they're not going to bear fruit for years. Yeah. And then that's like, all right, that's a commitment. So put an apple tree in the back or something. Ooh, that would be good. Or two. You need two, but. Jed has experience <laughs> planting. You need two? They need to cross pollinate so you can get. Duh! Good fruit. Come on! Stop! Have you learned nothing from this pod <laughs> about permaculture? Um, yeah, maybe when the pod Insects is done, don't have blood like in a them. raspberry tutorial. There were raspberries here, abundant in our first year, oh, that's and cool. then didn't come at all last year, and uh, we oh, fear they weird. won't come this year. So, anyway, if any friend of the pod has raspberry advice, I'm wide open. Um, <laughs> Mother's Day was yeah good overall um i had told a friend a couple of weeks ago that the closer we got to mother's day the more i just felt this like sadness taking hold the closer we got to the actual day itself and so yeah it hit like a ton of bricks saturday night um Mm. definitely followed me into sunday morning and it was like the same kind of grief that i felt right after she passed where like I didn't want to eat anything. The family wanted to go, you know, celebrate with lunch somewhere. And I just didn't want to, I just wanted to stay in bed all day. But, um, I remember somebody gave me advice a long, long time ago that like, if you just wash your face, like (laughs) it'll springboard you like out of your funk and you can at least attempt to brave the day. So that's what I did guys. I washed my face. I put some makeup on, and I let the family take me out to lunch, which and was White Castle, uh, and buy a nail gun. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good they to get out to of White the house. Castle. They took me to White Castle because Jed knows that I will never let myself eat White Castle. 
unless it's like a tremendously special occasion. It is guilty pleasure of all guilty pleasures. White Castle. Wow. I never would have pegged you as a White Castle gal. Look but, at me. Uh, what part of me does not say sliders? <laughs> sliders. I mean, I, I'm right there with you. But. Yeah. So we had uh, we had White Castle in the car, which was kind of cute because a couple Mother's Days ago, for whatever reason, even not in a pandemic, we ended up for Mother's Day with my mother and father in my minivan. We ended up having Italian beef like good Chicagoans in the car. <laughs> And we had like well. a car lunch Mother's Day. So it was kind of a family tradition. I can it tell. is turning into a tradition. I think I'm going to do it every year. Car lunch every <laughs> year for Mother's Day. But then we ended up just kind of shopping around for everything and nothing at all. And it was awesome. I came home with a couple of rugs, a nail Whoa. gun and some <laughs> cookies. <laughs> it all made sense. All right. Yeah, well, it was good. Guys, cool. I need your Tyler, advice. Tyler does, I need your, oh, okay, what? go for it. I was going to ask, does Milo get Mother's Day at all no. yet? Or no? He okay. had a minute. I mean, we did the whole Mother's Day morning thing. I made breakfast. He made a card and he gave it to mom. Aww. That's about it. He's done. <laughs> He's done for the day. Uh, but I need your advice with him. All right. Okay. He, all right, two, two stories real quick. One, he went potty in his diaper, in his crib, pulled his diaper down, got it everywhere. I went Ooh. in there and I said, buddy, you know, you're not supposed to do this. And he looked at me and p- friends of the pod cannot see me, but you guys can. And he goes, dad, it's not a big deal. <laughs> pointed like, at me point, like, pointed casually at you yeah uh, all right so that's one story the next story <laughs> happened yesterday he sprayed he took a i don't know economy size uh bottle can of lysol and just sprayed it into the couch cushion just wow into like the whole bottle lauren went down to scold him buddy that you're not supposed to do that and he looks at her and he makes like this Illuminati symbol <laughs> with his, he, like a with triangle his fingers, finger. yeah, triangle. Yeah. And he looks at her and he goes, mom, slow down. We don't oh. have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> what? He's two years old. What are we supposed to do? What are we doing? How do we fix this? Wow. All I know is I am going to stick around for this ride. <laughs> Aaron, help me. Wow. He's your kid, Tyler. Goodness That's gracious, do you like, do you see yourself in those behaviors? Because let me tell you, as a friend, we don't outside have to do this. looking in, that is your child. Oh my oh goodness. Oh my goodness. So, Tyler. I, I didn't even know he knows how to talk like that. When you told me that it's not a big deal, I thought, okay, he probably hears that around the house. Like, that's something that I could hear him picking up. Yeah. But this, this Illuminati thing, that sounds like, <laughs> did he get it from a cartoon? I don't know. From something he watches? Or is he just t- adapting stuff that he's heard from you guys and starting to make his I'm own scared. like versions of it, like some sort of AI that's like becoming self-aware? Because yeah, it's remarkable I, how appropriate it is for the yeah, moment. The context is perfect. <laughs> remarkable. He's like, he turns the scolding around. Yeah. yeah. Like, we're, we're here to yell at you. And he's like, actually... Yeah. Yeah, I'm here to yell thing, at you. Next thing you know, he's going to be like, look, mom, I know you're upset. Yeah. But let's talk about this like adults. You do not have to do this. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I need help. Friends of the pod, help. Send help. Those I, are the ones you I, write down and say forever. Those yeah, are good yeah. ones. Man. And oh, this happened man. like in a matter of days. I'm very concerned. <laughs> Tyler, it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh. I hate. I, I I never liked the phrase "terrible twos," and I felt like Desi never got there till she was more like three. But there is mm-hmm. something to be said. <laughs> there is a bridge that is crossed in that second year, and this is just it. You're there now. Oh my well, goodness! I can't stop. I can't stop thinking about the the analogy with like artificial intelligence. But he's like at that point where. This is where I assume, based on your reactions to him, he decides whether to like destroy humanity or <laughs> yeah. lead us into. I'm the, starting like, to get like a little bit scared planet. of him. <laughs> <laughs> he's learning. He's always learning. He's always That's watching. Right. Jeez. 
Well, right, good luck guys. with that, Tyler. I don't know what to Thank tell you. Thank you. Thanks for the help. All right, we just wrapped up our sermon series. Um, what, what was it called now? again? Yeah, what yeah, now? What was uh, faith when nothing's normal. Anymore? Yeah, you were you were really yeah. you got all right. It. Got it. Close. <laughs> Took you about four weeks, but you got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Barry, you gave the sermon. You preached primarily out of Isaiah fifty-eight, right? Yep. And uh, kind of talked about how the path to restoration is involving self-interest versus self-giving love. But for anybody who may have missed it, can you kind of give us a recap or the big idea of what you wanted people to hear? Yeah, that was a big idea. Although it was, oh, it was sorry, not self-interest. No, you're fine. It was the, the path to restoration comes not through self-interest, but through self-giving love. And I, oh, yeah. I was basically taking that out of Isaiah 58, where the prophet is talking to Israel and saying, look, it's essentially God is saying to the people through the prophet, you know, you're trying to get stuff out of God, but you're, you're, and you're going through all the right religious motions, but you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And it doesn't reflect your, your heart. So I'm not going to answer your prayers because you're fasting just to, for the show of it. You're not actually uh, caring for people. And, and instead the prophet or God then basically calls them to, to care for those who are vulnerable, like look out for the oppressed and do all of this. Um, and then as you align your lifestyle with God's intentions for the world of justice and peace and mercy and all of that, then all of a sudden you're going to find that your, your healing is quickly appearing, that you're, uh, that God is with you, that he's guiding you, that he's refreshing you and giving you strength. All of that comes as a result of choosing to, to essentially what I said is jump in where God's already moving because those mm. are all the things that he already is doing. So when we choose to partner with him, mm. we find his presence and his healing and all of those things because we're working shoulder to shoulder with him to heal the world. So, um, I, I definitely was coming in a little bit hot on this one. <laughs> uh, you probably yeah. The tell. way you put it was, uh, I'm about to step in it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I was basically like, I, I decided to get get practical when it comes to how do we respond in the midst of our pandemic. And uh, I tried to come up with some practical ideas that would be a way for our church to practice self giving love and not not just self interest in in a really challenging time, with the hope and the belief that self-giving love would lead to the restoration that we really, really long for. Hmm. So the context of Isaiah 58 is that it's a, it's a prophet, right? Isaiah is speaking to the Israelites and yes, it's in the context of them kind of doing all these religious motions that are trying to impress God. Right. Right. It, yeah, it takes place after the exile was over. We think, I mean, we don't know for sure, but based on the, Based on the context of that part of the book of Isaiah, it seems like these were prophecies given to Israelites after the exile, trying to rebuild their nation. Um, the second temple was built, but people seem to kind of miss the point of what it actually meant to follow God and actually try to live out his purposes. They were, they were doing the religious stuff, but they were abusing their workers and they were spreading violence and, and chaos. And that's exactly not what they're supposed to be doing. So, um, yeah, that was the, that was the context. And all I could think about when you were going through this was what about a human being? Cause I do it too. I mean, I'm prone to be like, I got to read my Bible more. So God thinks I'm cool or like, (laughs) yeah. Um, but like they're doing it to impress God or like to, and I was thinking what, what about a human being would ever be impressive to God? Like he made human beings. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. not, he's not impressed with you. He loves mm. like he, I don't know if I think, if I think about myself, like, do I honestly think that anything about me is impressive to God who created the universe? Hmm. Like, yeah. It's a good so question. When you were talking, when you were talking about this, I was like, why, why do we do that? Why do we think that our behavior is like, getting us in God's good graces. Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, doing a devotional doesn't really in general. Yeah. Doing a devotional every day does not compare to like creating earth. (laughs) That is a true statement. If ever I've heard one, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to wrap my brain around everything you just said. (laughs) That's my takeaway from the weekend guys. On one hand, let's say like, I mean, is God looking down going like, Oh Wow. 
Grace and Mercy never saw that before. Real impressive, Marin. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think he's doing that, but I think we tend to make him a god of rules, especially yeah. if we take a a myopic view of the Old Testament and we are like, oh, look, Leviticus. Wow. God really likes his rules. Better keep all these rules. <laughs> or even right. if all you know is the Ten Commandments, all you know is he's a God who gives commandments and therefore we must live up to or obey or fulfill the commandments. And that can so easily turn into kind of subordinate, you know, boss man type thinking where we where we look at him as somebody to be, you know, like you said, show off for or you know, read a devotional every morning. Our obedience or in this case with our um, ritual. Yeah. Right. Or our show of penitence and how right. how we show how we act in such a way that does not actually reflect yeah, what's in our heart. I think for me, what it what it really boils down to is ultimately, I think humans are at their core pretty self-interested people. We we want what's gonna benefit us and we don't want to have to give of ourselves. And so it's I, I think it's almost human nature for us to look for what's the minimum that I have to do to, yeah, you know, what, what's the fine. If I have to put ashes on my head, if I have to wear burlap for a week, if that's what I have to do to get God to come through for me, fine, I'll do that. But I don't want to, you know, don't ask me to give, give of myself. Don't ask me to give up of my own yeah. well being or my money or any of that stuff. So I think it's just human nature in some, in some way just to, oh, yeah. uh, and to also to find the least, what's the least I have to do. That stuff than, like, yeah that stuff impresses me. Like if somebody's like, I do a devotional every day. I'm like, wow, whoa, I don't. <laughs> so like, I think that God is impressed by the same stuff I'm impressed by. Hmm. And that's hmm. probably not true. I mean, I know that's not true. <laughs> well, it's, it's like, it's like a, your child. I mean, if you're, I mean, Marin, if, if one of your kids had a chore that they had to do, like that's a part of being a part of your family. They do the chores. They, they do what they need to do. But if every time they did it, they were grumbling and complaining and right. like stomping around the house. And then the rest of the day, they're just being a complete jerk to you and they're completely disobeying every other rule. Like right. how far would that chore being accomplished actually get with you? You know, yeah. it's like, like, I don't, it's great that you're doing the dishes, but like you're being a jerk about it. And the rest of your life does not reflect anything like what I want of you, you know? Right. Right. So, Yeah. So yeah, no, doing the dishes didn't impress me. No. <laughs> yeah. So you said our salva- our salvation comes when we pursue freedom and justice. Uh, mm-hmm. You call that the well-watered, well-watered garden. And um, it, our, it, it brings our salvation, not because we're impressing each other or impressing God, but because we're, we're giving up ourselves and you, you've called this self-giving love. Yeah. Uh, giving up ourselves to love another person or another being. And um, something that every week that we've been in this series, something that's come up, at least on this, this show is, is this is, this is the character of God. Like whether we're talking about lament or we're talking about self-giving love, it's not to impress God. It's not to be a better person. It's because you want to be in step with the character of God and you, yeah. you, you were, you were clear to point that out. And so what does this mean? Um, oh, so does it mean that, um, if we are self-sacrificing or, uh, offering self-giving love that does that mean that's when God will start replying to our desires or our prayers or something? Or like, is that the code we have to crack? Hmm. Well, right. That's a good question. I personally, I, I think that's also a temptation to fall into that. It just becomes another code that it's like, oh, this is the, the actual religion that we're supposed to follow. I, I think, I think this, the, the point that Isaiah is making is a little more subtle. I think it's more the idea that when we uh, like, when we're trying to focus on ourselves, right, we, we want to fill up our tank. And then if we have anything left over, we can give that to the people who need it. But first we you know, start I have with attended me. church several times. And we say, I'm going to pour myself out for the sake of those around me. That's when 
God will choose to fill us to overflowing. And so Mm. it's not necessarily that if we do the right things, then God will answer our prayers. It's if we do the right things, he'll give us what we need and what we long for, or even things that we may not realize we need. And so it's, it's, it's more like the abundance of God comes when we are in his presence and we are in his presence when we are doing these things. Um, Yeah. The absolute key is in his presence because take it from somebody who is very accustomed to pouring herself out for others and just being exhausted. If I'm not in his presence, like Barry said, it's so easy to have even those good things, even those sacrificial self-giving love elements become just another box to check off. Mm -hmm. Right. If it doesn't start with, his presence first and all of those other things are an outflow of being in the river with him. I love when you said, Barry, that, you know, he is there. Why does it say that he is there? It's because you're joining him in doing the things that he's already doing. Yeah. Yeah. He's already a God of justice and a God of self-sacrifice. He's already doing those things. So when you do those things, he is there. And I saw that as, like he's standing in a river and when I choose to jump into that river and join his work, I'm with him. He is there with me when I stand on the banks and I just kind of am aware that Jesus is over there doing that thing about loving people and sacrificing himself, but I'm not joining in his work. I'm not with him, but I want to be with him. Yeah. 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 So even yeah. that, it's not about the work. It's not about the the good deeds per se. It's about being with him. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to point out something that you said in verse six. Uh, you, well, you were talking about practical ways we can offer self-giving love to other people, especially right now in the midst of COVID. And verse six yeah. says, uh, lightening the burden of those who work for you. That is one way you can practice self-giving love. I just want to make sure, Barry, you took note of that. <laughs> Lightening the burden of those that work for you. Just wanted to call that out, put it on yeah, record. Tyler, that doesn't apply to us. There's no way. Hey, I do my best. I get yeah. on y'all's case every week about yes. taking time off and making yes, you sure do. you're caring for yourselves. Yeah. Maybe I need to maybe I need to force <laughs> you guys harder to not work as much. <laughs> oh man. Uh okay, so in terms of self-giving love, you, you again, for friends of the pod who may have missed it, Barry got very practical um, in ways that we can do this. Uh, verse 10, uh, helping those that are in trouble. Um, yeah. It means that we may have one of the things we can do is uh, inconvenience ourselves. And so obviously, I think I think right now stuff like that is just more obvious to us. Like pretty much everything's an inconvenience at this yeah. point. Like going to get food is an inconvenience. Like everything is an inconvenience, but um, I think we're getting to a point in, in the quarantine part of COVID that like, eh, things are starting to reopen a little bit. I'm just gonna, I'm done. Like I'm done. Yeah, I'm kind of tired of this. So yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, like that we have people that we love and there are people in at grace church and in our community that are, you know, vulnerable to stuff like this. And so it, you're, what you're suggesting is that it may inconvenience me to do things like wear a mask or be super as, as safe as I can, but it's not for me. It's for people that are in trouble. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so one of the things you said is let's be a church that wears masks in public. Um, and be the healthy, the healthy, those of us that are healthy can be, you called it an impenetrable barrier to protect those who aren't. Why did you feel it important to call this out, uh, for, for us? Well, yeah, it mainly because it's, it is one of the most, it's the smallest thing that people are the most annoyed with wearing masks in mm-hmm. public. Cause it, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Uh, it's hot, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's yeah. not a, it's not a fun thing to do. You look kind of goofy, like n- nobody wants to do it. And yet, and also, I also wanted to make sure to point out like, this isn't about, and I wish I could have gotten into it. I, I had a whole long thing I was going to do, but I cut it for time. But to talk about the fact that 
when we wear masks in public, it's not about protecting ourselves. If it was, we'd all have to be wearing surgical grade N95 masks, which we're not doing. That's not what the recommendations are. We're wearing masks just to prevent as much as possible the moisture from our own lungs from getting out into the world, whether we through coughing or talking or breathing. It's just trying to put up another layer of protection so that if how we long do, do I have to wear to this mask carriers, we're not infecting those that were around as much or we're not spreading as much of the virus around. So it, it's really, it's about if we all do it, then we create an environment where the virus has a much harder time of spreading, even though true, the masks themselves, if they're not in 95, they're not going to prevent the virus from coming through. It's just yeah. not as much of it will get through because it does need to get through on the moisture droplets from our body. So anyway, all that to say, it, it's we can't have herd immunity without millions of people dying, at least not right away. And so the only way that we can try to, as a community, care for one another, if we're going to be in public, is to wear masks. Um, even though I know there's a lot of misinformation going on around about that and there's a lot of confusion. And of course, it's starting to get politicized, which is I think kind of ridiculous, but it is what it is. So I, I wanted to say that. And that's why I was a little worried about this being, uh, you know, provocative is I'm mm-hmm. saying, let's, let's do this, even though, um, there are other voices let's in the this. world saying, don't worry about it. Yeah. This is a, this to I, me is a matter of self-giving love. I see it like that as a matter of self-giving love. It is annoying. I don't like it. I've got a few different masks and none of them are great. <laughs> But (laughs) when I'm out in public, to me, it's it's like the mask says I love you. Like, Mm. I don't know if I'm a carrier or not. I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to guess not. I feel pretty good. But we do know that you can be a carrier and just not know. So for me to wear the mask is a way of saying, I don't know if I got it or not, but I love you enough to do a small thing to keep from spreading it if I have it. it. It's a little bit akin to me wearing my pink ribbon in solidarity with my mother and families who have yeah. suffered um, from this terrible illness of cancer. It's saying, hey, I see you. I'm aware of this. I love you. Let's do what we can. Um, mm. You know, yeah. it, that's yeah. what it's like to me. Like, I, I don't like wearing it. I'd By no means do I feel like it protects me, but I feel like it is an outward showing of love for community. Yeah, Yeah. I think I think it's like it's like not speeding in a school zone. Right. It's really annoying to have to slow down by like (laughs) a lot to go through a school zone. But I do it because I I want to we as a society have decided that that's a way to to collectively protect children who dash across roads. And so it's a it's a way for us to be safer and care for one another, even though it's annoying. It's not the same thing as wearing a seatbelt which protects you if you're in an accident, you know, people are acting as if this is something to protect yourself. So like, if I choose not to do it, then that's on me. Well, no, it's actually like speeding in a school zone. You don't get a, you don't have a choice. You, you can't do that because we have decided that that's the way to protect one another. So mm. yeah, I, it is, a, metaphor. it is a, is that a metaphor? It is a metaphor. Yeah. And that's one I was hey. going to say in my sermon, but I, I cut it cause it, I didn't, you I felt like I was getting too preachy by doing that. And shows another <laughs> metaphor that I was super impressed by. Oh, the hate you, train. Well, that's, no. that's one. <laughs> How many metaphors oh, were in this one? message? Well, you, had a a sport, you had a sports me- metaphor that you, you referenced. Did I? Saying that it's, it's a pleasure to watch people get dunked on. And I was like, oh, oh Barry, yeah. Barry coming in with the sports, uh, sports <laughs> metaphors. <laughs> you know, being dunked on is not is no longer considered no, purely a basketball expression. <laughs> yeah, but that's where it originated because it is awesome yeah. to watch people get dunked on. Tyler and Jed have been into this Bulls documentary, and I think yeah. it just brought dunking back to the forefront of our minds. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying I was very timely, and I was speaking directly into the zeitgeist by using that <laughs> yep. metaphor. Uh, but that does lead us to stopping the hate train. And so what do yeah. you mean by that? Also, I have no idea where that expression came from. I just, it just came up as I was writing and I was like, ah, fine, I'll keep it. But, um, the hate train <laughs> thing, but, um, yeah. I, I just realized it, part of the self-giving love responsibility that we as Christ followers have is to stand against hate, not, not feed it or contribute it. Um, and Isaiah 58 has the one verse, I don't remember which exactly which one it is, about um, stop the pointing finger and the malicious talk. 
or the, the slander and the gossip. I'm not sure how the NLT puts it, but um, basically saying like spreading hate is not something that you do. If you have self-giving love, you, you give of yourself to stand in the way of hate. And so I basically had two, two suggestions. One is we, we've got to be careful and I'm the biggest victim of this because we have to be careful on what we are allowing ourselves to take pleasure in when we look online and see, especially in this time of division. And I mean, there's people saying ridiculous things and like, all I want is for that person to just be put in their place by the truth, you know? And I want to see someone embarrassed. I want to see them shamed for saying stupid stuff, but like haters, man, if I'm contributing to that, if I'm feeding that, then, then even in just who I follow or who I support or what websites I go to, like any of that is like, you're on the hate I mean, train. We've got to be careful because we're right in the hate train. And, and not only does it does it feed hate and spread it further, but it affects our own heart and it affects the yeah. way that we view other people. And so we have to th- we have to think about that. And I also brought up um, just all the unprecedented. Well, not unprecedented. I said that and I regretted saying that, but it's not unprecedented. But the the level of hatred and xenophobia towards the Asian-American community right now, as one example of, of many uh that, that is just purely out of, out of a place of ignorance. It is, um, it is something that we have an opportunity to stand against when we see it happening either online or in person. And, and yet that's risky because man, you know, it could be very embarrassing. It could be very, uh, I don't know. You could lose face with people, your family. If you, if you put your foot down and say, Hey, that kind of joke is not okay or whatever. So, and yet self-giving love it's, it's, a cost that it, I think it's a cost that we should be paying. This was the part of the sermon. Like I can, I can inconvenience, inconvenience myself. I'll wear a mask. I'll, I'll do all the stuff that's I've, I've told my wife, like if it came down to it, I could, I could shelter in place the rest of my life. Like no problem. <laughs> It'd be a problem, but I'd be fine with the inconvenience part of it. Sure. Uh, stopping the hate train. That's kind of why I'm on Twitter. Like I love, I love watching the hate train. I love, like I, I wake up and I'm like, who, who's going to make me angry today? today. Yeah. (laughs) And I love, um, I don't, uh, I have not participated in it publicly in a long time, very purposely, but, um, I do consume it. And, uh, so this was very Mm -hmm. convicting for me because, it's a, it's definitely a part of my life every day, especially in a year where like we're in an election in an America right now. That is, that is the hate train is going through all of our houses, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. um, I consume it. And so this was the convicting part of the sermon for me where I was like, man, uh, there's probably more I could be doing because even when I stand up to the hate train, I'm probably doing it in a not self-giving love way. <laughs> I'm like, mm. I'm coming at it from a, uh, hate train way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm nodding my head because that was a question that I had as I considered this very subject. You know, if you are standing up to defy hate, but you're mm-hmm. doing it in such a way that I guess the words you choose or the stance that you take, not even the stance that you take. I'm sure it's just the words that you choose, but you're doing it in such a way that now you are the one dunking. You are the one slamming over somebody else. And you might be doing it in the name of whatever righteous cause you stand for, but you might, you might be doing it in such a way that is still (laughs) perceived as hostile. How do we get that right? How do we speak truth in love? Right. Yeah. How do you? Because all I want is a mic drop moment. Like that's when I'm trying to like correct the hate train. I'm like, what can I say that will just like put this person in their place? I've seen people who are standing against hatred, racism, say, if this is you, unfriend me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. Like, is that, is that the answer? (laughs) Or is that just perpetuating? That can't be the answer. Stop right. talking I, yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's the answer. I think the hard part is we are living in this this digital world where a lot of these people that we are hating or standing up against are people who we don't have any relationship with whatsoever. And I think a lot of this plays out in the actual face to face relationships that we have. I, I don't I mean, 
I don't pretend to have a, a really great answer for how to do that in this modern world, but I also think a lot of what we have to consider is what is it, who are the actual relationships that we are, that we have? Cause it's a way easier to practice self-giving love when you are face to face with someone than when they are just an anonymous user yeah. on Twitter. So somehow we have to be pressing into deeper in-person relationships but I just, I don't, I don't have a great answer for exactly what that looks like when you're in a Twitter feud or yeah. when you see one happening, you know? Yeah. I just that's had tough. a, a talk tough. with my teen this week, my daughter in particular about assuming positive intent. Yeah. You know, when you feel like you were, you know, offended when you feel that, that anger rising up within you to kind of take a pause and see if there's any other way of seeing the situation through somebody else's lens. Just because yeah. it's so easy to just take your offense and run with it. And I think a good chunk of self-giving love in these, in this context would be just that, like you take your offense, you slow it down and you try to look objectively from a different point of view and then see if there's a way you can address that issue with a calmness and, and just with love. I feel like everybody is so entitled to their right to be offended. And with that right to be offended, they can say all kinds of things and think that they are righteous in doing so. But it just makes the situation so much worse. And we're all just kind of swirling the toilet bowl together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the whole giving people the benefit of the doubt thing is so hard because it is so easy to look at somebody and think you are fill in the blank, stupid. You're an idiot. How could you possibly believe those things? That's the easiest thing to do. And it's the natural thing to do. One of the things that I experienced when I was traveling over the years is I would come across people in other cultures who just, they believe these ridiculous things or to me, they were ridiculous. And I'd think like, how could you possibly believe that? And then I realized, well, they've never been exposed to anything different. This is what their world has told them. This is what their experience has. This is what all their relationships have said. Like, why would they think any differently? Why would they have another worldview? And and I began to become aware of the way that people I disagree with back home, I look at them and I think, wait, why would they think differently? Like they've never been exposed to other things. Like they've never seen the, the things that I've seen. They've never. So I, I need to give some grace because I realize that they just don't, I mean, yeah, they, I may disagree with the the choice of news network that they watch, but if that's the news network that they're watching, why would they believe any differently than or than what they do? And so, trying to meet people a little bit more with that that posture of grace to say, um, I can understand that you would understand things differently than me. Mm. Anyway, so so the last thing we talked about, or you talked about, was the last way to. <clears throat> practice self-giving love is to give generously of our abundance, whether that's your money, your time, and you included privacy. Why did you include privacy? Well, the other two seem obvious. Yeah. I think it came, probably came from a personal place. Um, because I, I, um, have just started engaging with our neighbors. They're, they're, um, the, this elderly couple, I assume they're not friends of the pot. I could be wrong, but, um, Bill and Sue, if you you guys are listening, listening, I love you guys. But what I've realized is just having neighbors and, and wanting to be involved and checking in on them and making sure that they are, they have what they need. Um, it, it may mean, time out of my day. If I go over there, uh, we're going to be talking for a little bit. We're going to be mm-hmm. chit chatting, even if I want to go get on to the next thing I want to do or whatever. And so, um, for me, it's a matter of like it, Tyler, I, I could, I agree with you. There are some parts of this where I'm like, I could just do this forever. If I just had me and my farm and my animals, like I could, I could self isolate yeah. as long as I need to. But I realized that, that, the true way for me to practice self-giving love is to actually be involved in other people's lives and actually care for those care for my literal neighbors, which will take time, which will take privacy. I don't get to just shutter myself in, in my house all day long. I actually have to be engaged in that. So that's kind of where that was coming from for me. But I, I kind of pictured that with many people at grace, all experiencing that in a, in a sense. And I'm sure you guys can probably relate at least in some way to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a challenge for me to step outside of myself like that when I've, I've get, I've given myself the list of priorities during this time. 
Number mm-hmm. one priority, family stays healthy. All right. So what does that mean? That means we're just going to shut her in, man. We're just, we're, that's it. Priority yeah. number one, family stays healthy. Priority number two, I don't even know, <laughs> you know, but, but, but yeah. getting outside of myself and my comfort zone, especially in the middle of a pandemic is not natural. Hmm. And so, yeah. um, I'm glad you included that. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So those are the ways to practice self-giving love. This wraps up the, uh, the what now sermon series. Do you feel like we accomplished what we set out to do as a church through this sermon series? Yeah, I do. I, I think honestly, this series ended up being very timely. Um, I mean, obviously we, we shifted it around. We were going to be doing a series about spring cleaning of the soul or something like that. So <laughs> it was going to be called, uh, uh, tidying, uh up. tidying, tidying up. Yeah. So, um, you know, that would not have been appropriate probably in this time of, of pandemic and chaos. So we'll come back to that series. It was still very clever and I think it'll be good, but, um, yeah, I think this accomplished what it needed to accomplish. I think it, it pushed us in, into asking bigger questions about trust and, and um, you know, freedom to lament and actually, mm-hmm. um, you know, what does it mean to love our neighbor well and how does that affect us? And so, you know, in the midst of our isolation, I, I think it just brought up some really great, yeah. timely questions for us to wrestle with, in my opinion. Yeah, timely, definitely. So where do we go next? What's happening so now we are entering into a very unique three-week series. I guess it'll be a six-week series, but the first three weeks will be the last three weeks of my father preaching as senior pastor. It's it's kind of, it's here. Um, wow. Dad's going to give three messages. Get out of my face. These will sort of be his send-off messages. And then it's it'll crazy culminate. that that's here. Yeah, no, it's nuts. It, I mean, it snuck up on us. Well, I feel... You probably feel have a different perspective, but I feel like it's only been five years. Yeah, <laughs> but I feel like yeah. you know we talked about this thing out there, Dave's Dave's final weekend, right? And now it's like, yeah, we're, we're it's looking here. down the barrel. This month. Yeah, yeah. Can I ask a question? So, I'm not sure if yeah. you can even answer on this podcast, but we'll just edit it out. Some people have been <laughs> asking me, and if you need to edit it, that's fine. Was there any talk of postponing this, given the fact that it's unprecedented times and worldwide pandemic and having to do everything online. Yeah, totally. There was, and we talked about it from all angles. Basically, um, ultimately we felt like it was not the time to postpone the actual succession. Uh, people felt like the actual transition of, you know, senior pastor needed to happen on schedule because knowing that it was going to be it, you know, indefinite, it did not feel right yeah. to everybody, governing board included to sort of drag on. And actually dad was even resistant to it. He didn't want it to, to, to go on and on with yeah. two senior pastors and all of that. Um, there was lots of talk about, do we, what do we do with the actual weekend since we want it to be a big, you know, celebration. And ultimately what we determined is we're going to do the handoff or the whatever on May 30, 31, but we will have a the, you know, a, a celebration, like whatever we can, when we're able to, yeah. uh, with all of, you know, Grace Church gathering and it'll be different. Obviously it won't be the exact moment, but we'll still be able to celebrate dad in yeah. person. And, um, you know, so yeah, it's, it, it's rough, honestly. And, and pray for dad. Cause yeah. this is, this has been hard for him as you can imagine, but it's just, this is like salt in the wound that it would have to yeah. be coming to an end. And he'll likely be preaching to a handful of people in a wow. mostly empty auditorium. And right. it's just, it's just rough. It's rough. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm coming into this and I'm thinking, well, this isn't how I wanted to go either, but at mm-hmm. least I'll have, you know, years of ministry ahead of me that we can expect things to get back to some level of normal, but, but this is kind of it for dad. And so it's really, um, yeah, it's really disheartening and sad yeah. uh, for him. Yeah. But encouraging uh, yeah, that, that, was, that we yeah. will have, a time and a chance as a community, as a church to celebrate together, you know, when things go back to quote unquote normal, but that's, that's what I hear a lot from people is what a shame that he's going to have to say goodbye without being able to say goodbye. And it is encouraging to know that, no, we wouldn't let that happen. We'll definitely have. Oh yeah. No, I think uh, we can, I think that would, I mean, that's certainly a shame. In my opinion, it would be, a shame if 
he felt like he needed to stay longer than, you know, he was, he was set out to stay because of a pandemic, you know, you don't want to force him to stay where he doesn't feel called to stay right now. And Mm. we need to release Dave. And, uh, yeah, so it, it, it's, it feels like a lose, lose, but the good news is that the day is coming where we get to celebrate that. And we're not going to, we're not going to forget about that. I, I'm, I am strangely curious to see how God is going to turn this and use it for good. I, Mm -hmm. I feel like that, that's where he just shines the most when something mm. looks like lose, lose. And then, yeah. you know, a couple of years down the road, we're like, whoa, who could have ever seen how God yeah. would, you know, step in and X, Y, Z, like fill in the blank. I, I'm actually excited because of the unforeseen circumstances. I don't know. I just, yeah, God is it's doing what- something. Who could have ever thought that when this baton was going to be passed, <laughs> it would be in the middle of a global pandemic. But yeah, God is there. Yeah. He's there. We talk about it all the time on this podcast. The way that he set us up with a heart and a desire to have a care center that is now doubled in size and able to serve yeah. so many more people. I mean, God has set us up and been with us. We've been with him. He's been with us this whole way and this this pandemic and this transition can't be any different he will be yeah. there and we'll see what he does and it's going to be incredible yeah. yeah amen well i look forward to that um so he's preaching the next three weeks right yep and then it'll be me for a while after that <laughs> just get, get used get used to me after that i guess yeah so he'll be here next week then yep cool all right uh friends of the pod we're going to send you uh, send you invitations. We're going to make it feel like it is an event that we all get to participate in on the on the thirty first, and so you're, you'll you'll get an invitation to that. Uh, something that we I don't really get to do, or I don't think to do much. First of all, I want to thank friends of the pod for sticking with this podcast mm-hmm. through pandemic world. Um, actually, our our interaction has been higher s- since hmm. the pandemic. Uh, compared to before, and I think that's just because uh, friends of the pod are sharing it. But I would encourage I would encourage you to, you know, subscribe wherever we do podcasts. Share it with your friends. Share it with Grace Church. Um, we're doing a lot of stuff like we talk about every week. We're doing content. It feels like we're doing content everywhere. the The student ministries thing had a they had a thing on Friday that had hundreds of people attend online, and this is just another one of those things that we we hope to, you know reach reach people of grace church in the middle of the week obviously between sundays and so subscribe share it with with your friends with your small groups or whatever but um yeah so we'll see you next week where we start a new series what's the new series called the next chapter oh next part one and part two part two will be my three weeks so this is the next chapter part one all right cool uh maren will you please send us out Sure thing, y'all. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. We'll see you on the other side of Sunday.